Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Hello, welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. Today, I wanted to spend a few minutes reflecting upon the words harmony and balance. At face value, they're quick and simple, easy words to define. But I really wanted to slow down, really contemplate them, deconstruct them, and appreciate them. Let's start by defining it. Harmony is the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords. These chords are supposed to have a pleasing effect. Another definition is something that's forming a pleasing or consistent whole. What are some examples of harmony? I immediately think of nature as an obvious venue to experience and appreciate harmony. I think it's notable that there's also a lot of emerging research showing the health benefits of spending time in nature, experiencing this harmony. I suspect that experiencing harmony is more important to our health and well-being than any of us actually really inventory or appreciate. Even bigger than harmony in nature, let's reflect upon Harmony in the solar system. All the planets orbit the sun in perfect timing, perfect rhythm, in an order that creates balance that supports all life and human beings here on Earth. If the sun or moon suddenly changed its course or pattern, it would cause great disruption across our entire planet. Planets move reliably, predictably. We can calculate and measure their movements hundreds of years in advance. The planets follow a steady and harmonious path. The sun and moon are a great example of harmony in nature. The sun provides light for days and the moon for nights. Each day, there's always a harmonious balance between daylight and darkness. For half the year, light keeps growing and growing, getting longer each and every day. In the other half, the daylight becomes shorter and shorter. It lives in a balance. The moon and ocean work together in a harmony. The gravitational pull between Earth and the moon creates a high tide in our oceans on the new moon and full moon. I seriously love my time in nature. I could keep going on and on, but by now, you probably get the point. So let's shift this concept of harmony from nature to music. Most of us have likely attended a kindergarten music recital. We could describe it as cute, adorable, but it certainly wasn't harmonious. It's loud, chaotic. It's audibly unpleasant. As the father of three kids, I can attest, it's super noisy. This begs the question, what is the difference between noise and music? It comes down to the simultaneous coordination of different notes and different sounds. Without coordination, it's unpleasant. However, the same notes and sounds, when well-coordinated, can suddenly transform into something beautiful and pleasing. I'm sure this won't shock most people, but I'll confess, I'm not at all talented when it comes to anything musical. I can't sing, I can't play an instrument, and my saxophone career didn't last past the fifth grade. Yet, I remember knowing from an early age when I was listening to something special, when I heard Mozart or Beethoven for the first time. That didn't take technical training. The harmony, 
The coordination of sounds, it was just naturally pleasing. I just knew organically that it was something special. At its essence, harmony requires some level of skillful and simultaneous execution. It's not binary or unitary. It's much more nuanced than that. It requires balance. It requires complexity to be well-coordinated. Now let me attempt to bridge the gap between harmony and the role I believe it should play within any wealth planning conversation. I spend a lot of my days at the office helping business owners maximize their after-tax wealth. But beneath that tangible service, really what I'm trying to do is help families flourish by using their wealth differently. What does harmony look like when it comes to wealth? Let's stick with the word picture of music here for another minute. It starts by identifying the underlying notes that are all attempting to be coordinated when it comes to wealth. When wealth is defined merely as financial capital, the opportunity to create harmony is lost. Financial capital is the easiest form of wealth to measure. It's the most tangible. It's the one we're reminded about often within our capitalistic society. Financial capital creates a type of affluence, influence, power, and self-reliance that we all desire. Financial capital also provokes the powerful human emotions of fear, greed, hope, and envy. Open our phones for even just 30 seconds, and we'll likely encounter a headline or an image that provokes these powerful emotions. But there's more to wealth than just financial capital. How would you define real wealth? If we kept digging deeper and deeper and asked the existential question, what is the purpose of wealth? Then maybe we could better understand the underlying categories of real wealth. Most of us want to create a life that we would describe as successful, joyful, meaningful, impactful, purposeful. While those words alone don't provide us anything concrete, it does provide us a framing to help us understand wealth differently. So, when it comes to wealth beyond just financial capital, the qualitative capital categories originally proposed by James Hughes and present within the flourishing family generally includes human capital, relational capital, structural capital, and social capital. So let me define that a little bit more. A family's human capital includes its individual family members' physical and emotional health, as well as their resilience, their ability to learn, to grow, and to adapt. A family's relational capital reflects its individual members' ability to discuss difficult topics together or to collaborate in complex efforts. But even more basically, it reflects whether the family is a family of trust, respect, and fairness. Strong relational capital is typically built on a family's core values and sense of shared purpose. In many ways, it's what makes a family distinct and gives each family member a sense of shared identity. Structural capital is important because families with significant wealth or family businesses often operate within a network of trusts, partnerships, contracts, and other legal and business relationships. Structural capital consists of the understanding of this network and an ability to navigate it efficiently. Finally, social capital. Social capital is a commitment to communities that gives families a strength from serving something greater than themselves. Social capital rests upon the individual family member's desire to use their financial wealth to make a positive difference in the world and their ability to take thoughtful action to fulfill that desire. By deconstructing wealth into qualitative capital and quantitative capital, we can create a plan that supports greater harmony, better balance, and ultimately, more family flourishing. Flourishing isn't unidimensional. It's complex. We all want to experience multiple things from our life, 
which can best be supported within an environment of a flourishing family. Looking at the research, four categories would include happiness or the feeling of contentment about our life, achievement, essentially accomplishments that compare favorably against similar goals others have strived for, significance, the sense that we've made a positive impact on people we care about, and finally, legacy, a way to establish our values and accomplishments so as to help others find a future of success and or flourishing. While these four categories form a basic structure of what people try to gain through the pursuit and enjoyment of success, the majority of planning conversations still really focus on one dimension. Even if by chance the other categories and dimensions of capital are actually considered, the planning is rarely coordinated or truly holistic. It's never harmonious. Research published in the Harvard Business Review by Laura Nash and Howard Stevenson used a kaleidoscope to visualize this concept of harmony. A kaleidoscope is a simple, mechanical device with lenses, mirrors, and a long tube housing separate chambers. Each chamber holds pieces of glass that constantly shift in the tube as it's moved. Although the chambers are separate, our eyes see one unique picture made up of various chambers. Mirrors reflect the entire set of glass chips and enhance the complexities and patterns. The beautiful patterns we observe are simultaneously symmetrical and inherently unstable, changed by our own movements as well as outside forces. I love this visual to describe the beautiful complexities of wealth and kind of what it takes to manage the consistency of change. Your wealth as a flourishing family should be the integration and coordination of your financial capital, human capital, relational capital, structural capital, and ultimately social capital. Wealth within a flourishing family is about choice, movement, integration, and structure to hold all these separate plans together. We can observe throughout history business owners that have done this well and those that haven't. In an earlier podcast discussing choosing your status game well, I unpacked how the Vanderbilts, once one of the world's richest families, destroyed their wealth and in many respects their family in a shockingly short period of time because their plan focused almost exclusively on financial capital. Too many plans simply don't promote wealth harmony. They don't facilitate holistic coordination to support family flourishing. Instead, they focus almost exclusively on financial capital. Maybe this is why so many wealthy families actually lose all of the wealth in three generations or less. Looking to history, we can see that actually planning and successions they were approached very differently prior to the Industrial Revolution. Historically, prior to the Industrial Revolution, wealth transfer was a lot more about the transfer of wisdom and opportunities, not necessarily cash. If you inherited your family's land, that was really just the transfer of opportunity. You were still required to work. You had to effort, sacrifice, and grind to cultivate crops and animals, stewarding the land to actually generate income that you and your family could live on. For the most part, something is worth what it costs us to acquire. When you work hard and sacrifice to acquire something, it has a higher value to you than something that you were simply just given. This is obviously true when it comes to financial capital too. Maybe, deep down, we all already subconsciously knew this. Maybe this is why so many hardworking, risk-taking entrepreneurs really struggle with the idea of just giving their kids money. They know that just giving somebody under and financial capital will diminish its value because it simply didn't cost them anything to acquire. Too many people approach planning by focusing on the metaphorical fire rather than the flint and the kindling. 
By that, I simply mean too focused on a specific financial outcome and not enough focused on the specific processes that precede it. Unfortunately, many modern estate plans today are essentially a version of dump, divide, defer, and ultimately dissipate. Assets are dumped on heirs, divided amongst siblings, attempting to defer any taxes, but ultimately the wealth dissipates. Going back to the flint versus fire word picture, financial capital is merely a tool. Nothing more, nothing less. It is neither good nor bad, but it really begs the question, what are you trying to accomplish with your wealth? How do you want your wealth to impact your family and your community? It's easy to avoid the difficult conversations and the hard work required to truly coordinate real wealth. While procrastination in this area is totally normal, it doesn't change the fact that your wealth can only go to one of four places. You'll either spend it, give it to heirs, give it to charity, and along the way, you're going to give a whole lot to the government. In my personal opinion, too much time and energy is wasted discussing pre-tax investment performance rather than after-tax performance within the context of a flourishing family. So if this topic is of any interest to you, please reach out to your team at DeLap, or even you can reach out to me directly. My email address is jsiegel, that's J-S-I-E-G-E-L, at delapwa.com. I'd be happy to share the research, books, tools, and resources that exist today to help you better coordinate your wealth more holistically in greater harmony. We'll be back in two weeks with more new content. If you've listened this far, thank you. Leave a review or share this content. It's always a helpful way to spread the word so that others can be positively impacted by this podcast too. So until we do this again, be well.